friends, welcome to this episode of the MakeWell podcast. This podcast is for anyone who's practicing creativity in their daily life so that they can live a life of purpose and passion. Each week, we'll be interviewing Midwest makers that will unveil the behind the scenes of their journey and lessons along the way. We hope their stories help you live a creative life and inspire you to start today. Hey makers, welcome to the Make Well Podcast. This is Ashton and today we are so excited to welcome a very special guest right from our very backyard. He's a dad, husband, and the owner of both Fireflower and Anima Cucina in downtown Bismarck. Please help me welcome today's guest, Kenny Howard. Hi there. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to kind of jump in and learn more about the behind the scenes of some of the businesses that I love. So maybe real quick, let's just introduce you. What do you do and who are you, who are you today? My wife and I own Fireflower Pizza and Anima Cucina. Um, as Ashton said, um, we um, I currently wear multiple hats, I guess, um, at both restaurants um, from being you know, somewhat of an executive chef to general manager um, of both uh, restaurants. Well, one thing that we love to do on the podcast is to kind of jump into some of those earlier childhood moments to see if there was some kind of creativity or spark, because usually it starts as a kid. So I guess thinking back to your childhood, was there something that you loved to do or that you really gravitated towards? Um, I, I guess when I grew up, I was really, I, I, I was always intrigued with art and you know, just making projects and crafts, um, just hands-on stuff where I could use my hands to make something. Oh, nice. Was there a certain medium that you liked or just your general like crafts that were offered in school? Oh, I'd say nothing specific. I mean, I enjoyed all aspects of it. I mean, certain things were easier for me to do, I suppose, but I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed all of those you know, different projects that would come about through different uh, classroom instruction. Nice. I think we all loved art class to some degree, (laughs) whether it was just like a break from the regular classes or if we actually enjoyed making something. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess what about your family? Did you have siblings to make with? Um, Were your parents encouraging of some of those artistic things? Yeah, absolutely. I I grew up, uh, both of my parents were teachers. So I was very much accustomed to um, being in that environment. And, you know, um, and then also, I had a couple older brothers, too, um, that were a little bit older than I was. So, But, yeah, I mean, we, it was always, you know, at home we could make my own little projects or whatever at home or, you know, at school. So. Yeah. What kind of teachers were your parents? My dad is an industrial arts teacher. He still is. So he's, he was a shop teacher. He did some other things for a bit, but he was kind of in work. He worked in education and now he still works um, in Underwood uh, as a okay. teacher part-time. My mom was primarily a first grade and special education teacher, and she's since retired. But okay. she's, you also, side note on her, she helps out a bit, and you, a lot of people probably recognize her, like, <laughs> in the restaurants or when we do our mobile pizza ovens, um, she loves to be part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. So growing up and, like, through high school and as you're thinking about your next steps, was there that pressure to become a teacher, too, if that was kind of the family trade, or were they pretty open to whatever you wanted to do? Yeah, they were always, you know, open to whatever I felt like I wanted to pursue, definitely, and tried to Mm -hmm. encourage me in those things. Yeah, so I I would say no pressure. I didn't think I'd ever really want to necessarily be a teacher to that extent, but Mm -hmm. at the same time. There are some skills that, you know, obviously, 
you know, teaching and instructing um, employees that kind of come through on the restaurant side of things. Oh yeah, definitely. I can see that would be super helpful. (laughs) So I guess after high school, did you kind of know what your next steps would be, whether it's college or an internship somewhere or what did that look like? So I, I guess I graduated from Madden high school and then decided I wanted to pursue, um, it was called design communication back then, which now it's been mostly wrapped into like graphic design and art. Um, I was, I was interested in that sort of thing, like doing branding development, that sort of Mm, thing. Okay. Uh, and also, at the same time, I was pretty um, involved with wrestling out of high school. So it was kind of a twofold thing. I was trying to find a college that um, I could kind of satisfy both of those things. So I decided yeah. to go to the University of Minnesota. Um, so I graduated from there in, in okay. design as, a, as a degree um, with an emphasis in advertising. Nice. So I guess, what was it like going from Mandan, North Dakota to the Twin Cities? <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I was, I knew like, you know, all through, I, I guess, it, you know, I really didn't hate until you kind of started thinking in your last couple of years of high school, like, how are you feeling about staying around to learn stuff? Mm-hmm. and do that. But I always knew that I wanted to go explore the world and mm-hmm. find out what else was out there. So I was ready to do that, ready to make that leap. But it was yeah. nice that Minnesota was still within driving distance. So that was, you know, just to get home to see family on the holidays and that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I also went to school in the cities. So I think it's the perfect way to experience life, but also be kind of close to home. <laughs> so I guess with your program, you know, design or communications is pretty broad. Were you able to kind of niche and find maybe what that specialty looks like? Um, I was mostly interested in uh, like, typography, font development, um, logo design. So that kind of, I was trying to find something and it's it's pretty, it's a definite smaller niche. You know, you have to be fairly talented at what you do and you have to be really good drawer and and be able to conceptualize really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I really like the hand portion of the whole design process. Mm -hmm. So that kind of led me to my next phase after graduating. I found a, a job in San Francisco as a type founder casting metal type. Oh, wow. So we, we worked, it was, it was a portion of the Arion press, which is a limited edition book publisher. So you okay. see like fine arts, uh, museums and, and, and book collectors, art collectors collect them mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so that's what kind of brought my wife and I to San Francisco to the West coast. Wow. That's amazing. I'm a fellow type nerd. So that sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. So I do have to ask, when did, when did you meet your wife or when did you get married in that process? um, I grew up in Madison. She grew up in Turtle Lake. We met, she went to school at Bismarck State College out of high school. And then I was coming back from uh, the Twin Cities like for a couple months during the summer. And we had met during the, the summer. Um, and then once she graduated, we she moved to the Twin Cities also to uh, um, she produced, pursued a degree at the university also in uh, oh nice uh, in uh, retail merchandising. Okay, cool. So I guess wow. So going from Minneapolis to San Fran, <laughs> totally <Yeah>. different cities. <laughs> Level, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just tell us about that job. What was it like working there? It was really 
really interesting. Um, you know, we were basically, you know, working in a museum essentially. So okay. this equipment's a hundred years old that we're working on operating daily. Um, I was an apprentice under a type founder that had been there for 65 years. Wow. Um, I was working alongside him. It was um, really rewarding. I mean, I think it was really interesting, the process. Um, I, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's very labor intensive as far as like everything was handset. So every little, every letter in the book is actually, you know, handset with a, yeah. a physical. So it, it, it was, I really enjoyed working there, but I started to kind of, after I'd been there, I don't know, we, we were in San Francisco seven years. Um, okay. After I'd been there maybe five years, I started to really kind of want to be in food more. Um, Interesting. I saw, okay. So the San Francisco food scene kind of just, I guess out of college, let me back up once, out of college um, until we went to San Francisco, I worked in um, a couple of restaurants in the Twin Cities. Oh, sure. So I really enjoyed that. I found out I really actually liked that personal relationship with customers and that fast paced, mm-hmm. intensive, um, you know, situation and, and just being able to like serve people. I, I mm-hmm. like that. And then once I got kind of to San Francisco, I was deciding, you know, we worked there for a while. And then I was like, after a few years, I was like, I kind of got the itch again. And mm-hmm. being San Francisco is like a food Mecca. Oh so yeah. We're exposed to, you know, so many different types of foods and the quality is, is so high. Um, that I found myself wanting to be in that more than being in the other environment. So yeah. trying to, you know, how are we going to get, you know, maybe we can open like a food cart, you know, or something here. <laughs> yeah. So we started, we slowly transitioned over from that. Um, and then kind of as in those last couple of years as well, we were kind of ready to start a family. Mm. Uh, and that's what essentially we, we were like, we're going to, well, we're going to go back to Bismarck. We're going to start a food truck and we're going to, you know, have our family. And that just kind of brought us back this direction. Oh, nice. I think that brings a lot of, a lot of people back um, from their experiences in the world back to Bismarck because it is such a great family town. So I totally, totally understand that. Um, when you were, so when you were in San Fran and you were loving food, was it the, industry that you're drawn to or did you love to cook like were you the chef that was kind of experimenting at home i guess i i did i like to cook a lot um i i would say i was intrigued especially in like the kind of the making the dough and developing the dough and tweaking stuff and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed like working with recipes and, and adjusting them until they're right yeah so I, I like that portion of it and then we would just have, you know, small parties with friends there. And um, I started cooking pizzas, like, you know, working with dough, like with long, cold, like long fermentations and, and, and messing with that kind of reading through blogs and, mm-hmm. you know, most, most of like hobby, but then it kind of developed into a little bit more and we'd have like parties. And I, I first started doing pizzas on grills. Okay. Kind of going that. And then, yeah, from there it was like, that was a, you know, if we were going to open some, then I started kind of looking towards, you know, if we're going to open this food truck, how do we get into like a mobile pizza oven? And mm-hmm. that's kind of what brought me where, where I was now. Sure. So I guess how much was in place before you moved back to Bismarck? It sounds like you had the idea, but was there a lot yeah, other? I, I would say, you know, it would probably, 
I think we, we were in place as far as when we wanted to kind of get things off the ground here. Um, it was just a matter of getting some funds together to buy the oven and then sure. find out where, what kitchen we could work out of because you have to have a commissary if you don't have your own kitchen. That's mm-hmm. certified by the health department. Um, and then also just kind of like menu development. Um, so I think we were probably halfway before sure. we left. And then it just took us about a, a year and a half to kind of get everything else up and running. Mm-hmm. So were you primarily looking for a cart or something smaller like that? Or were you looking for a full space like you have today? I think eventually we wanted a full space, but okay. that just didn't have the resources to do that at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's what was nice about that. I mean, there's fortunately there's a lot of festivals and kind of vending opportunities throughout those summer months. Um, but that was soon, you know, the first summer we were really successful, but it was like, okay, it's winter. So we had to kind of change gears, you know, in the fall, just try to get into somewhere to kind of keep the momentum going rather than shut down again. So, yeah. So it sounds like you did find a cart and you did find that commissary kitchen. Right. So where, where is that kitchen? Cause I know that's a struggle for a lot of other makers um, in the area. Um, I guess when we first, we were working with, BC bagels in their place. Okay. Yeah, I guess, you know, as far as people looking for those things now, I mean, I think you can find places that might be, you know, where people might have similar mindsets as far as like, you know, uh, you know, I really love what they do. I want to do something more artisanal food. So maybe they'll help me out and I can work there, you know, mm-hmm. after the close, just contact the business owners, you know, and, then, yeah. you know, you know, obviously it's nice to, you know, if, if they come to you and they're like, you know, from my perspective now, if somebody would come to me, you know, as long as it's not interfering, you know, you try to like help people out. And if you're able to, you know, potentially rent your space out for a couple hours, you know, mm-hmm. a few hours a week, you know, when you're not making any money during that time frame, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it would help the business to kind of their costs. So, mm-hmm. so I think you just kind of find places that, you'd find a place from a food standpoint, which would, you know, or you'd be like kind of like-minded people. I think that'd yeah. be the best start. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. So with the cart, was that a side hustle at that point or were you guys like full hundred percent in? I guess we, we kind of jumped in all, all together just to mm-hmm. kind of all in basically. Um, yeah. We were hoping, the best, you know, it was uncertain, but uh, you know, we were hoping the best, as we started to do the opportunities, um, as far as vending at like urban harvest, we knew there was a definite demand, like, mm-hmm. you know, almost immediately. Um, yeah. so we had a good feeling that it would, you know, prosper and be able to function as a self standing restaurant. Nice. And, and how did you land on pizzas? Cause I'm sure you explored lots of different foods in San Fran, but what was it about that pizza that really kind of drew you in? I think it, it, I I really like, I really liked, again, it was, it was really hands-on. Sure. You're tending a fire, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's, it can be comparable to like, you know, barbecue or something. It's like Mm -hmm. you're you're tweaking, adjusting fire elements of the fire. And then you're, you're also at the same time, you know, your dough has to be a certain temperature and and you're certain it's very specific as far as recipes, you know, down Mm -hmm. to the gram. Um, so I think all of those aspects combined into one made pizza really interesting to me, at least, at least wood fired pizza. Yeah. I don't know about as far as regular pizza, I don't think <laughs> I've much interest, yeah. but I, um, 
I like the fact that you had to tend to the fire and it wasn't just gas. And I liked mm-hmm. it. Anything that was more like hands-on was, that's why I kind of went that direction. Okay. So as, as you're seeing success with the cart and winter's coming, was it a challenge to find a space or what was that process like? Well, we were fortunate during that time because I think there was a big kind of a resurgence of people moving back and, you know, the economy was really booming then and a lot of people that had left and went other places were coming back. And um, at that point, um, it, it, they kind of fell into our lap really because Laughing Sun had contacted us about selling pizzas in, in their space okay. before they even opened because they had saw us on the food truck. They were building Laughing Sun here next to us, um, what used to be the old Laughing Sun, I guess. But And then we were like, well, we can do it, you know, and uh, it's going to be after it gets into, you know, October, it's kind of iffy which when we can actually set up because mm-hmm. we aren't like a traditional food truck. Um, so it's, you know, open air tent canopy set up with an oven. So it can, mm-hmm. you can't really cook it. When it really gets below 40, it's pretty difficult, even below 50. But there was a rent sign in the window immediately adjacent to Laughing Sun. So wow. we're like, okay, well, this is perfect. So we are... <laughs> We essentially have, you know, the people that we've developed, uh, customers we've developed um, through the summer maybe following mm-hmm. us. And then they're going to have a set of customer base too that might not know about us. So it, mm-hmm. it helped us definitely through that first winter because we were kind of tag teaming and yeah. you know, we were helping each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of an obvious fit, you know, sign the lease and got going in here. Like I think it was early September. We, we kind of started doing demo. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally it was just the one side of fire flower. We expanded to the other side, um, like a year and a half later, about a year later. Okay. So we had a few, I mean, just had what you'd see like on the immediate pizza side when you walk in, mm-hmm. um, a few tables up front, a couple along the wall, but that was enough for us kind of during that winter. But by spring we were like, we need more seating. So then we had <laughs> patio options. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So being that you have a design background, did you were you hands on with the branding and the topography of the business? Definitely, uh, early on for sure. And then I just kind of, when I got to our latest, I guess branding, it was more so. I found somebody that was a little bit more, I guess, accustomed to computer like vector imagery, imagery stuff mm-hmm. that where they had a little more experience. But yeah. I worked alongside them, but they essentially put it together for us. Nice. And I know, so what year did you guys open Fireflower? Uh, 2012. 12. Okay. Awesome. So you're approaching your eighth, eighth year. That's amazing. Um, so at one point with Fireflower, you know, it's, it's doing well, you're loving, loving the process. Um, did you start hiring some of your first employees? Oh, we had, we, we hired, I would, we had, um, I guess when we had our mobile um, pizza oven that first summer, we had a full-time person that worked with us that whole summer. Oh, wow. And then by the time we got to the fall, then we hired, you know, maybe another well, another one or two full-time people and a couple more servers, I would say. So maybe we had like with Kendra and I, maybe like eight to, we probably had eight to 10 people that first winter, I wow. would say. Yeah. That's great. So I guess being a business owner, you do wear multiple hats. Was, 
was the management something you loved or did you kind of miss cooking the pizza or what was your favorite role? I would say my favorite role is just, I would say I, I enjoy cooking, um, but there's so many other things that pull me away from it. Sure. Um, I get more time during the summer to cook because I'm usually at most of the mobile stuff. So I, I would say I like, you know, creating new things. I like, you know, constantly trying to make the, um, restaurant better, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, we should be doing this to like make a customer's experience better. Yeah. I like that development, um, where you're trying to make things better. Uh, employees are great. I mean, like we couldn't do it. You couldn't do any of this without them, obviously. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we knew that right away as far as from, you know, we tried to balance in the beginning work and like family too. Sure. So we would try to, we were, we were here at night to kind of like, you know, help people assist people until we got them into a role where they could stand on their own essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy all of it. Um, sometimes employee gets a little challenging just from a standpoint of finding people because they transition to something else that can be sure. you know, difficult stage, but it's, it always kind of ends up, you find somebody new that, you know, mm-hmm. wants to be part of it. So. Yeah. And you, you brought up something that I haven't even asked about yet, but what is it like working with your wife? <laughs> um, it's really good. I mean, we generally, uh, you know, for the most part work together pretty well. Um, uh, so it, it was really, I think it's really fun to kind of play off of each other. Um, it, we used to probably work together a little bit more than we do now because now we're kind of into two different restaurants. So it's like, sure. it's, we, you know, we see each other, but not quite as much because there's more to kind of manage um, from both ends. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure as a husband and wife combo, if you can make it work, I'm sure it's, it makes work even more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's, it's good. Um, but I mean, you also kind of can bring things home a little bit more because, <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah. you kind of bring it home and they know on the same level what you're dealing with. So you're, you might, you know, bring that into the house and you kind of want to forget about it. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have two different careers, you might not do that. So, so yeah. we're like talking about what's this employee doing now or, you know, whatever. It's <laughs> you your like home time at any point because you both have a hand in, what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. and as you're starting this business was, cause this is your first like independently owned business. Was there any surprises that stood out to you? I think it wasn't necessarily, I guess, surprising. Um, but I think just being able to adjust for different times of the year. I mean, there's definitely mm-hmm. peak times. Um, yeah. and, it, it, you know, there's certain things that are kind of learned as they go, which, you know, that's, there's just, you just can't know everything until you still experienced it. Yeah. Um, just being able to have, you know, adequate staffing there, um, where you're not spending, you know, too much money where you're, you know, losing a lot of money in the winter, uh, things slow down kind of, uh, usually around here, January and February, obviously are kind of a slower months. People aren't out and about as much and our peaker mm-hmm. time peak times are more like July and August when people are, you know, typically visiting and there's a lot more sure. traffic downtown. So I think adjusting to that and then also just learning all the kind of legal aspects of like licensing and, you know, what you need to do for taxes and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. There's definitely lots of accounting that goes into place that's behind the yep. scenes. <laughs> 
you do have a second location, but it's a completely different um, restaurant. When did the idea for Anima kind of come into place? Well, now that's almost been open two years now. So I'd say it was probably about four years ago. Um, our okay. kitchen manager at that time, Fireflower, was uh, Taylor Adler, which was now the wine director at Anima. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of started toying around with the idea of, you know, let's do something more, but Fireflower was limiting in space and kitchen, mm. you know, what do we want to bring? You know, we should have a, and then we started kind of playing with the idea of a wine bar. Um, but we also wanted to do, um, more and more, I guess, Italian, um, authentic Italian kind of recipes, like, um, family style. So, uh, it was, it was that those things that kind of added up to, we, we took a, a trip about three years ago now. We took a trip to Italy and did some kind of research about, you know, what, what do we want to capture here that we want mm-hmm. to convey or, or bring back to Bismarck so people can enjoy that here. And that's kind of where that was kind of born, I guess, um, just these little wine bars along the streets of Florence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we already had the kind of, cafe kind of built into fireflower so we kind of okay. rolled that there so at anima the, the the morning stuff is it was it was already kind of at fireflower because it was part of our coffee bar sure um, so that was always kind of there we just expanded on the kind of lunchtime sandwiches and that sort of thing and then uh and then also so uh Anima is like a trattoria at night is what we call it, which is uh, basically it's like a f- small family owned restaurant that a family owns in like the streets of you know, any of these Rome or Florence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they serve like, you know, simple, simple Italian food, but there's only minimal ingredients, but the ingredients kind of speak for themselves because yeah. they came from great sources. So that's kind of what the nighttime is supposed to look like. Mm. experience a dinner at anima um so you yeah. have charcuterie and uh, carbonara pasta um porchetta like a rolled pork loin mm-hmm. you know we try to find just you know people people's products that are in a similar situation they're artisanal you know we take a lot of pride in sourcing you know making sure that everything we serve is what we like we don't put anything out there we don't yeah uh, and that goes from our craft beer all the way up to our wine bar. And that's, it's pretty well, I mean, that's really well curated as far as like, you're going to get something different there that you're not going to experience other places in town. It was cool. I mean, we got the best of the best award for the Tribune for the, for Anima for Italian and wine bar this year too. So that's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I have Italy on my list of places to visit, so hopefully I can get there sometime soon. But I guess, so coming back, was it strategic to find a space close to Fireflower? We had thought about the corner um, of this building on 5th and Main Mm -hmm. um, uh, and spoke to the owner about like, you know, let us know if anything else in the building becomes available. So we were kind of kind of putting ourselves out there just to kind of, well, when it, we want to kind of start working. So when it is available, we can kind of go with it. So I guess it's beneficial definitely um, in that, you know, sometimes we, we, we share staff, um, you know, we make, make some of the stuff for Fireflower and the bakery at Anima. Sure. Uh, so we definitely work back and forth, which is, can be helpful. 
I think that, you know, just not having to, it helps for me or other managers to be able to not have to go off site. So yeah. we can quickly pop in to resolve the situation. And I have to give you kudos because both both restaurants are absolutely beautiful. People love just being in that space. Was that that also from your design background? I would say so. I think I've, that's, I've also, always, I mean, I guess I've always enjoyed that aspect of, uh, you know, building the restaurant is also, you know, definitely a passion mm-hmm. as far as like creating the space. I think that's always been interesting to me. So, you know, that that's always, I've been, been able to do that. I'd like to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's fun to see that because I don't think a lot of people know that part of your background. So to know that and to see the space, it definitely makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Were there any major challenges that came with having two spaces instead of one? Did it kind of change the game? I think the biggest thing is um, the biggest challenge is just that we invested a lot more in Anima, like than we ever did Fireflower. Fireflower is kind of build and grow. Okay. And grow as grow as we could. Where Anima was like, oh well, we're you know putting a lot of money into this and you know gonna recoup it. So we like work mm-hmm. the other direction where we're like kind of like oh we we don't have enough money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that and definitely working within the old building kind of slowed us down quite a bit because we ran into a lot of different issues with the build out. Mm-hmm. It took us like almost a year and a half to get it open um, just from a standpoint of it bringing it up to code and there's people there's a, apartments above anima too so there's mm-hmm. a lot of other restrictions we had to deal with so thinking back over the past two um two restaurants that you have do you have any favorite moments or big wins that kind of come to mind i don't know i think the the biggest thing is just like our working in the environment and there's this great energy I think mm-hmm. that's like the most rewarding thing. Yes. People enjoying themselves, employees enjoying themselves, you know, customers, employees enjoying themselves and everybody's like having an experience. And that's, I guess, ultimately what the, I guess, biggest win is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. So what's, what's next for either restaurant or for you personally? Well, I guess we haven't thought too much forward into that. We're still trying to develop our customers at Anima. There's a lot more potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, Fireflower is pretty well established now. So for the most part, it you know, it I don't say it runs on its own. As long as mm-hmm. everybody's doing their job, it's, it, it does pretty well. There's definitely slow times here, but it, it does pretty good for what it is. Anima, we're still trying to just get people in there to experience it and to, you know, a lot of it is, especially if you haven't been in before, there's a lot of communication as far as, you know, what things are, you know, mm-hmm. what this means and, you know, how do you eat here? <laughs> you <know? laughs> or, you know, I think early on we were kind of, we didn't really kind of separate it into a daytime and a nighttime spot. Um, so it was a little bit confusing and we started as all counter service, which, you know, in bigger areas, you know, it, it's very common for people to, you know, order a nice meal at the counter and go sit down. Sure. But we had to adjust that because it's not really something people see here at night. And I think it was hurting us mm-hmm. right away for people not coming in at night because they're like, well, I have to go. Okay. In the I'm spending more than I would at a different Italian restaurant but they're not serving us. Sure. So we're, we're, we're kind of, 
adjusting to that. And then we further separated that and just simply called it like a cafe during the day mm-hmm. and a trattoria at night. So we could kind of reemphasize, well, you're going to experience cafes counter service during the day. You're going to mm-hmm. experience full service, like restaurant dining at night. Yeah. It's an interesting challenge trying to balance this like unique offering and unique culture that you're bringing into the community, but then also juggling like the social norms <laughs> that Bismarck has. So I'm sure that's something you're constantly thinking about. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so before I ask the final question, do you have any advice or words of wisdom for those looking to either grow in the food industry or start or start a restaurant themselves? I think the most important thing is, and I don't think you just don't do it necessarily for money to start with or, or, or for a job. Mm-hmm. You got to be passionate about it first about, you know, passionate about, you know, making this food for people because you're going to have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Passion first. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So our final question is what is one thing you wish you were really good at, but aren't, and then how do you work around it? The biggest thing for me, especially with both restaurants, is just delegating certain responsibilities to others. I think, mm. and I think it's because I, I try to like do too much sometimes, and it doesn't get covered. <laughs> sure. So I, think, I think you know that. I think that's probably something you know I definitely could work on trying to trust people and say, well, okay, you take this and run with it. Mm-hmm. And what am I doing to help that? Just you know trying to do it more often, I guess, right now. Yeah. Delegating is always hard, especially when you're passionate about it. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's probably the hardest thing and it's just surrounding yourself with, you know, the employees help a lot and that a lot, you know, they take the initiative and ask me things, you know, beforehand. And, it, you know, we got a great group of people working at both restaurants that, you know, mm-hmm. love to be here. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm a fan. Um, and I think you've built a really amazing team of people that work there. So I'm excited to see what your next steps are. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to share your story. It's really cool to hear how you started in one career path and then found something you absolutely loved and found a place at home to do that. That's really amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Make Well Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or subscribe wherever podcasts are found. If you'd like to learn more about the Make Well community or get connected, you can visit wearemakewell.com or at wearemakewell on Instagram. All right, we'll see you next time, friends.